Hello, chefs. This is Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about technical skills that you need in the kitchen. Stay tuned. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Okay, let's get into it. I'll give you a short update. I am currently working on the translation of all the culinary books that I've written. So Leadership Fundamentals, Kitchen Art of War, Bad Sue, Good Chef, How Not to Be the Biggest Idiot in the Kitchen, and Line Cook Survival Manual. I've already completed three of them in the translation process. I'm just having a couple of friends read them. They're going to go into Spanish. I'm hoping that I will have all the books done within a week or two. Max, they will be available. I'll announce it on Chef's PSA as soon as they are ready to go. And then after that, by request, I will be translating them into Italian, Italiano. So for those of you that are asking for the book in Spanish, very close, almost done. Actually, like I said, three of them are already done. It's just a matter of getting them out and published. So thank you all for requesting that. Ask and ye shall receive. So that's your gift. Moving forward. I want to get right into skills. So I did a chef's PSA the other day where I talked about if I needed to make a super soldier, a culinary super soldier, what three skills would I ask from them? And I said, brunoise, cook fish, and learn how to braise. Those would be my top three skills that every cook should learn. But then I put up a post a couple of days ago about taking action in your career. And the only way to get better at cooking is to actually cook. And I, I don't know, I did some images about, you know, a very depressed chef saying, oh man, now I gotta, I gotta cook to get good at cooking. You know, I'm, I'm being a little bit sarcastic here, but a lot of people always ask me, how do I get better at this? Or how do I get better at that? And there's no magic answer. The only way you get better at something is by doing it, period. There's no shortcut to success. Unfortunately, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. If you want to get proficient at a certain skill in the kitchen, no exception, you have to practice that skill repeatedly. So then the question is, how do I get better at something in the kitchen? Like I said, the easy answer is do it a lot of times. But you can't just take that approach and say, I want to get better, so I'm just going to do everything. I think you need to be sniper specific on what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Now, I don't know you particularly. I don't know what your particular goals are in the kitchen. I don't know what your particular improvements are that you need to become a better cook and chef. So the advice I'm going to give right now is very general. And I think this is gonna to apply to most chefs in most situations. Obviously, if you have a pizza restaurant, maybe what I say might not apply to you, or if you have a barbecue restaurant, 
or you work on the walk station, maybe this might not apply. However, for 90% of the jobs out there, this will definitely apply to you. When I set the three skills that I think people could improve on, I want to start there. Like if I had to create a super soldier, and so that is, you know, a lot of people are saying, no, teach them organization and time management. I'm not talking about that right now. I am talking specifically about the technical skills, the relationship that a chef has between themselves, the product, and getting it out on the table through cooking. So knives, saute pans, fire, whatever the case may be. That's the relationship I'm talking about. I'm not talking about organization or writing the schedule or any of that other shit. I'm specifically talking about culinary skills. So let me expand on why I think those three skills would teach you the most. Let's start with cooking fish. When it comes to cooking fish, I think the most amount of temperature control is needed on a pan. So I'm just assuming that you are cooking fish in a pan. You can't be too hot. You can't be too cold. The pan has to have a certain temperature. You got to know when to put the fish in. You got to know when to turn the fish. You got to know when to not mess with the fish because it's going to get stuck. Do you oil the fish or do you oil the pan? Do you put the fish skin side down and get it crispy? Do you put a press on top so you could make sure it stays flat if there is skin so it gets crisp? Do you cook it halfway and never turn it? Do you turn it? A lot of chefs will sear their fish only on one side and then just kind of flash it in a salamander or an oven really quick just to get it to where it needs to be. But understanding how to cook fish is a critical skill for a chef because, you know, I'm going to use salmon as an example. Like you want your salmon medium rare. You don't want it well done. You don't want it raw. But there's a certain sweet spot when you're cooking fish that it's like the perfect texture. It's moist, it's juicy, and it doesn't require much effort for the knife and fork to break apart. The more you cook the fish, the drier it becomes usually. And that's not all fish because some fish are the exception. The more you cook them, sometimes they get moist. Point being is that fish is so delicate. If you learn how to cook fish really well, you'll start to pick up a certain level of finesse that will transfer into all the other things that are a little bit more forgiving, like meat and poultry. You could fuck up a chicken. You could overcook it a little bit. It's okay. You're going to cook it to 165 degrees to kill any salmonella or something like that, assuming that you're doing that. But you might not want to do that with fish. You also might have a cake tester or a fish skewer that you skewer the fish that you start to learn where to place the doneness. Maybe it's on your lip. Like a lot of chefs used to put the skewer on their lip to test temperatures or they put it at a sensitive part on their wrist or their hand. Or sometimes you just learn from touch. Or like I used to say, they use the chef force, the intuition to tell when the fish is done. Skill number two would be braising. And the reason I think braising is such an important skill that cooks and chefs can develop, especially early on in their career, is that you're, it's a multi-layered skill. So typically in braising, there's a browning process. A lot of times there's the addition of vegetables. And then it's a combination cooking method. So it's dry heat and moist heat at the same time. And so you're learning everything from how to get color, that you know the Maillard reaction, get that sear, get that golden, that GBD on the meat or whatever it is that you're braising. You're also learning almost how to make a sauce because a lot of times that braising liquid turns into a sauce that's going to accompany the meat that you are cooking. There's also an element of understanding doneness. You know, if you're braising a veal shank, for example, you can't just rush through it. You got to cook it a certain amount of time. Are you braising octopus? It's going to be different than it if you're, if you're braising an asabuco or if you're doing a quick braise with some seafood or a chicken. All of that matters. So understanding that everything has a, 
a certain doneness time and temperature. And so the amount of time that you have to build flavor changes. So if you're going to braise something that's going to be done in 30 minutes, you need to be able to extract the most amount of flavor in the shortest period of time versus something that you're maybe braising for three or four hours. Then you have a little bit more time to develop that flavor. In addition to learning how to develop flavor, there's that sauce work that you're going to learn how to do. Because again, braising is very similar to making sauces and stocks, at least in the classical repertoire of French cuisine. There's a lot of, there's a lot of crossover between a braise and a stock or a sauce. So that's why I think learning how to braise is going to bring out so many more skills in an individual. So again, first skill I'd say, learn how to cook fish, delicate fish. Second skill, learn how to braise. The third skill I would focus on is the meticulous knife cut of brunoise. And I, and I don't mean just like getting everything and chopping it very small. Now, the reason I say brunoise is so important because you're usually going to be working with more difficult vegetables when you're making a brunoise. So harder vegetables like root vegetables like carrots or potatoes, in addition to onions and different types of allium like shallots and things like that. But I would have them brunoise everything. Learn to brunoise onions perfectly. Learn how to brunoise carrots. One of my, one of my friends, uh, shout out to Lauren Peters from Cookie Rich. And if you don't know Cookie Rich, you should. They make, they make great cookies. Anyway, we're getting off subject, but uh, I was talking to my friend Lauren Peters and she used to um, have to brunoise pistachios as part of her training when she was coming up. And uh, I remember thinking, Bob, brunoise pistachios, talk about level of difficulty there. They had to be perfect or, you know, individual leaves of tarragon. And the reason I say brunoise is so important because it's a skill that's going to require two or three skills to get to the end result. So a brunoise, for those of you that might not know, this is the technical term or the French term, I should say, um, for a specific knife cut that's about one sixteenth of an inch. So it's a very, very small cube, right? And so in order to get to the brunoise, first you're going to have to start with the julienne and then you're going to have to move to the dicing aspect of it. So you're going to learn two skills in one. So if you, you have, in order to have a perfect brunoise, you have to have a perfect julienne. And so that's why I say brunoise is it. Because if you know how to brunoise very well, and I'm talking about like perfect brunoise, micro brunoise, the kind that's going to be used in garnish, learning how to go petal by petal on an onion or a shallot. If you could do that exceptionally well, then all the rest of the knife cuts are going to be much easier. So if you know how to brunoise perfect onion, then you know how to slice an onion, you know how to dice an onion, you know how to dice a potato, you know how to you know chop a carrot, because all those skills are required to get to the end result of the brunoise. It's the furthest down the road, and you have to bypass several other skills to get there. When I used to run kitchens, I would have my cooks practice brunoise for days on end before they would do anything else, before I'd kind of release them into the wild. And, you know, honestly, they used to hate it. I, I used to hate it too. Um, the reason I would have them do that is because once they understood, everything else became super easy for them. And I remember telling one of my chefs, shout out to Lauren Pogue, that there would be a time when her skills were so good that they would probably be better than the culinary school instructors that were teaching her that her brunoise skills would be so good that they will become better than the culinary school instructors that were teaching her at the time. And she didn't believe me, but then uh, when she was in culinary school, she said some of her teachers would come over and ask her where she learned how to brunoise like that. And they were all very impressed. So the technical skills are important. 
So those are my top three skills, brunoise, fish cookery, and braising. Now, if you wanted to learn how to cook, and I put this in the post the other day, this is what I would do. If, if, if you want to practice at home, you could get relatively good at just a couple of things. And I would say buy whole chickens. They're relatively inexpensive. Eggs and potatoes. Now, you may need a couple of other pantry items like flour and things like that, salt, etc. But if you think about all the different techniques that you could practice on with just those three ingredients, let's take the chicken, for example. With the chicken, just with the chicken, you could practice so many different cooking methods. You could braise the chicken. You could roast the chicken. You could stew the chicken. You could fricassee. You could make soup. You could fry the chicken. You learn trussing techniques. So again, that's another layered technique on top of the chicken. You could learn how to truss. And of course, you could learn multiple ways to trust the chicken, a lot of different ways to do something correctly, depending on who's teaching you. You could learn boning skills. So, <laughs> and I mean, uh, taking apart the meat from the bone skills. You could debone the chicken. Once you understand, you know, where the joints are, where the articulation is, you, you really get a lot of practice with the chicken. Other birds are very similar. So ducks, pheasant, et cetera. They're all kind of structured the same. And a chicken, it's not exactly like a bigger animal, but if you understand how to break down chickens and you understand where bones meet and you understand where muscle meets and tendons and things like that, then you have a better idea as you move on to larger animals like whole pigs or cows. You start to understand how to break down animals, but you got to start with chickens. Start small. You could learn how to saute. You could debone your chicken thigh and you could make a roulade. You could take some of the meat and you could make a farce. You could then do more advanced skills, like learn how to remove the skin in its entirety on the chicken. Not to mention, now that you've deboned the chicken, you could learn how to make stock, right? Yes, there's some subtle changes going from a white stock to a dark stock, but you're going to have so many skills that you could practice just with that chicken. The next one, like I said, potatoes. With potatoes, again, you could practice all your knife cuts, your julienne, your brunoise, your tournée, etc., but there's other skills that that potato could lend to, like making mashed potatoes, make potato salad, make French fries, make roasty, make the Joël Rubichon palm puree with a lot of butter in it. There's a difference between just mashing your potatoes and then making a palm puree where you're adding in, I think it's equal amounts of butter. Maybe you put clarified butter as well. Maybe you do cream. Maybe you do milk. I don't know. That's up to you. But you're passing the potatoes through a food mill. Maybe you're running them through a tammy afterwards to make sure that they are extra silky smooth. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress for a minute. I'm going to tell you a story. I had a sous chef one time, and um, he gave me some potatoes to try. And he said, what do you think of these potatoes? I said, yeah, they're fine. And he said, just fine? I said, yeah, they're fine. They're you know, he's like, well, he's like, these are excellent. And I could tell he was a little bit annoyed by me because I just thought the potatoes were fine where he thought they were excellent. And so I said, well, let me teach you how to make this style of palm puree, like the Joel, Joel Rubichon style potatoes. And so I taught him how to make it. I said, now taste these and then taste those and tell me what you think. And he says, they both taste the same. Now, at that point, I realized he couldn't tell the difference between the two. Because an experienced palate will tell you one was significantly better. So I told him, do this then. Do me a favor. I want you to make potatoes like I just taught you. 
And every day I want you to bring them down and we're going to taste them together. And we're going to critique. Is it too much butter? Not enough butter? Too much salt? Not enough salt? Etc. And for the next 30 days, I only want you to try these potatoes that you're going to make with me. And we're going to constantly tweak and adjust so that it has the perfect flavor. And he said, okay. He didn't understand the assignment. But for 30 days, he made these palm puree. Didn't taste anything else. No other style of potatoes. And we'd sit there and we'd adjust and we'd have a conversation. Oh, it needs more salt, maybe a little bit more butter, maybe put some clarified, maybe add a little bit of cream or milk. Maybe we're putting white pepper. I don't remember. We were probably putting white pepper. I'm not a, I'm not a big black pepper fan and, and mashed potatoes. Anyway, point being, 30 days later, we come back to the potatoes and I say, now, the potatoes that you made, make them the way you used to make them, but don't taste them. Then he made them. I said, okay. Now, try them side by side. And when he tried them side by side, he was like, oh shit, these potatoes are significantly better. And I said, you see, he's like, I didn't know. And that illustrates, uh, you know, there's this, um, there's this story about the king that has the best cake. And so it goes like this. I'll share the story with you. There's a king and he wanted to experience what his kingdom was like. So he had to put himself in a disguise and experience his kingdom. So he was wandering through the streets. And he saw a sign on the shop window that said, best cake in all the kingdom. The king went and spoke to the baker and said, I heard you had the best cake in all the kingdom. I want to try it. So the baker says, okay, gives him the cake. And he asked the king, what do you think? And the king says, eh, it's a little dry. I could have used a little of this, could use a little of that. And the baker was highly offended. He said, what are you talking about? This is the best cake in all the kingdom and started to get a little puffed up. The king was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the king. And the, you know, the baker was very apologetic after that. I'm sorry, I didn't know you were the king. He's like, it's okay, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to come to my castle and I'm going to put on a banquet. And we're going to try cake together that my pastry chef makes. So the baker thought, well, I don't know why I got to do this. I make the best cake in the kingdom, whatever. Let's go try, you know, placate them or whatever. So they go and the king puts on this lavish banquet, brings over the cake that his pastry chef makes and gives it to this person. And as they were trying it, then they began to weep. And the king says, what do you think? And the baker says, I had no idea. And the reason I tell that story is because a lot of times you don't have a frame of reference of really what excellence, or I should say to what level of excellence, perfection, something could be, or to what level something of excellence can be attained if you haven't really tried it yet. Sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. But anyway, we digress back to potatoes. You could also learn how to make gnocchi and all sorts of other things. And then with regards to the next thing I would bring in, I would bring in eggs. And again, with eggs, you could learn all sorts of skills. We were talking earlier about the temperature control with cooking fish. Well, the same thing applies when cooking eggs. Uh, there's a big difference in the heat between an over easy or a sunny side up and an over hard and everything in between, or the difference between an American style omelet, which has curds that are browned or a French style omelet, which has no curds and it's silky and smooth and it doesn't have holes in the pockets. On the outside, you shouldn't see holes. It should be perfectly smooth. On the inside, the curds should be light. To get to that point requires a high level of technical skill. You're going to learn a lot, like pan control when it goes on and off the heat, that little tip of just banging your pan once to make sure that the curd settles, how to roll it, 
how to roll it onto a plate. Are you going to fill it? Are you going to garnish it? Is it just an omelet or do you brush it with clarified butter afterwards? Do you season it with finishing salt? Do you put chives on it? Are your chives cut nicely or do, do you have shit chives, right? Another skill that's important. But anyway, back to eggs. You learn how to poach eggs, fry eggs, omelets, souffle, custards, so on and so forth. Like so many skills just from working with eggs, potatoes, chickens. And then I would throw in onions, right? Because with an onion, also you could practice that julienne, that dice. You could just sit there and julienne onions all day, make onion soup. So much can be done with the most simple ingredients. Now, if you wanted to level that up and say, okay, I've gotten really proficient at these ingredients, onions, chickens, potatoes, boom, brunoise, cooking fish, braising, I got it down. Then I would say time to graduate to something more difficult. For me, the way I would introduce the difficulty setting next to a cook would be from a vegetable standpoint, I'd say artichokes because it's like the Achilles heel of all chefs. Hence why so many people buy canned artichokes or artichokes that are already clean because they're difficult to clean. They take time. You got you to gotta have some dexterity with a knife, a paring knife or whatever kind of knife that you're using to clean the artichoke. So I would say start working on artichokes. And then cooking artichokes is also a skill. Do you braise them? Do you cook them sous vide? Do you blanch them? Do you grill them? Like, how do you cook your artichokes? There's a different way. Again, that little handy metal skewer comes in handy to know when the artichokes are done. So I would say going from those skills, graduate to artichokes. Then I would say graduate to shellfish cookery. So learn how to cook lobsters, learn how to break down lobsters, learn how to shuck oysters, learn how to cook mussels. Lobsters is one of those things that I think people should learn how to do because when you start to learn how to break down uh, lobsters or crabs, like there's, there's a certain way that you break them down. Like when you, do you remove the head? Do you cut the gills out of the lobster? What do you do with the shells? How do you make sauce? Again, one of those, one of those ingredients that have multiple layers with this, with the lobster, not only can you use the meat, but you could also turn the shells into bisque or sauce or lobster butter or something like that. And then, you know, Basically, just to wrap it up, I would say the last skill I would introduce someone in, in terms of complexity would be like doughs and pasta and things like that. So learn how to make pasta dough, learn how to make raviolis, learn all the different shapes. Like pasta is an art. By the way, shout out to Ryan Peters doing a video with Mr. Beast. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know. He had like 10,000 eggs or 20,000 eggs. It was a lot of eggs. Anyway, I'm not going to make that much pasta. But learning how to make pasta is a great skill. You, you, should, you should learn how to make pasta. I already know how to make pasta. Anyway, that's it. The next episode I want to do is I do want to do something. I get a lot of requests to do something on food cost. And so I am thinking of just doing a maybe one to two parter on deep dive into food cost. If that's something that you all want to listen to, let me know. You could comment on this podcast or you could leave a message or something on Spotify so I could read it. So if you want to hear a food cost podcast, let me know and I'll do a deep dive on to how to manage food costs and how to look at food costs. And if you want to support the show, you know what to do. Make sure you leave five stars. I appreciate it. Nothing less than five stars. I'm on YouTube now. I'm putting, I'm practicing my editing skills. So you can go watch the podcast with overlaid video. I'm going back and doing all the old podcasts. So there's two of the old podcasts. Episodes one and two are now on YouTube. Go watch them. If you're waiting for the Spanish books, they will be out. Go get the books. Everything's on chefspsa.com. Go support your favorite podcast, which should be this one. If it's someone else's podcast, like, come on, what's wrong with you? How dare you? Anyway, 
See you all next week. Hit the porno music.